Now, now, real people, real opinions. Nighttime talk with Niall Boylan. Ireland's classic hits radio. Last week, as you may remember, we spoke to our good friend Sarah Horgan from the Echo Life. By the way, I'm not going to give you any bad news about her in case because it sounds, sounds like I'm building up to something like that. But sadly, we we really missed her because we got cut off halfway through, and she felt robbed in some way. <laughs> And she joins me again, Sarah Horgan. Hi, how are you? Did I did I feel robbed? Did you feel? Did I think you? I just went straight to bed and forgot all about oh, it. Oh, did you? Oh God, there was me thinking you felt a little bit robbed by the whole thing. That you, you know, we didn't get your last two stories, you know, because you just disappeared off the air, unfortunately. Um, Sarah, I do apologise what happened last week, but you're back this week. Uh, Cork looking good, by the way. Any snow in Cork today? Of course, you know there's an orange weather alert around the country for snow. Um, I've got a bit of snow in the north. Uh, any snow in the in your end of the country? No, just ice and sideways rain. You know the the rain that I'm talking about that about that bitter cold sideways. rain. That bitter cold yeah. rain. Oh yeah, yeah. Sideways rain, exactly. Yeah. yeah, Ireland is the only country where we get 365 different types of rain. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now and all the different words for rain we should have. Yeah. So, parents in Cork are turning to crime in an effort to help their children survive prison life and heartbreaking drug addictions. That sounds like a harrowing story. Yeah, some some parents, obviously, that there's a few. So, a city councillor has voiced concerns about emotional blackmail leading to the smuggling of drugs by family members. This was independent councillor Kenneth O'Flynn. And he said that parents have confided in him after feeling pressurised to smuggle drugs into prisons and other facilities. He said he's had people on the phone saying they're being asked to get drugs for their children and they're asking him, what do I do? So I spoke to um, another ex- expert, Kinturk-based uh, psychotherapist and addiction. And she says it's something she's dealt with herself and she referred to one particular case study. She said she spoke to one family whose son made out he was being bullied and threatened by his cellmate into getting drugs. And they were so so concerned for his well-being that they brought them in. And it turned out that the story wasn't true at all. And he had made it up out of desperation. But the manipulation, she said, and pressure facing the families of addicts is horrendous. Um, especially when you take into account the dealers and the violence, the, that element that's playing on parents' minds. Yeah, Often of dealers course. won't go to the go, won't go for the addicts. They'll opt to target their families instead. So when you're talking about a mom or dad who's going to visit their child in prison, they're often not only worried for them; they might be worried for everybody at home and. It's 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 really so challenging. Ma- the, the, the sad thing about it is when you have an addict in the family, be it drugs, alcohol, whatever it happens to be, you're gambling, whatever it is, there are so many victims around that one addict. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, there, there is, there is. When you think of how many people are affected, and mm-hmm. if if you have a drug addiction and somebody threatens your life. It's not half as bad, I'd imagine, than if they threaten the life of your mother or yeah. father. Yeah. Can you imagine the the, the guilt of, of something like that? And yeah. there's there's been cases in the past where people have even died by suicide, and the pressure must have been a factor, you know, with drug debt and everything else. So yeah, yeah so many. I, I've had to that. I've had women on the air who have had sons or daughters. Primarily, it seems to be sons, 
who've had drug debts and, you know, and the heavies are coming to their door, banging down their door, smashing their windows, setting fire to their cars, whatever it happens to be, you know, to pay off the drug debt for their son or daughter. And, and I remember having a woman of the air wanting to know, should she pay off a drug debt or should she go to the police? And it's always a difficult question for a parent, you know, to because they know their own child's life is in danger. It's a real double-edged sword, isn't it? Yeah. And you just you just couldn't you you couldn't judge someone in that situation, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, when you when you're talking about people um, bringing bringing in drugs to prison, it's because they feel in their mind that it might save their child's life in yeah. the in in the short term. You can kind of, in a weird way, you can understand it, can't you? Because you do anything just to help. Isn't it astonishing the, uh, the amount of drugs yeah. in prison is actually astonishing when you think about it I and mean, how they managed to get it in in the first place. Well, we all know how they get it in in most cases. But but in saying that, you know, that, that, that drugs are freely available in many prisons in Ireland is actually astonishing. Anyway, uh, on a lighter note, a Labrador is improving school attendance, literacy and behaviour in a core primary school as part of an initiative programme which brings highly trained dogs to assist in schools. So, I, I mean, I love seeing dogs, you know, not working dogs, when I say working dogs, but essentially they are working dogs to some degree, but dogs bringing joy and happiness because dogs do, pets bring joy and happiness to children and to adults alike, by the way. Yeah, so this is um, Lynn's, uh, Liz Johnsey from the Irish Examiner. It's her um, article. What I really like about this article is it's talking about the uh, dogs that might not have made it as a guide dog, but still have... Um, you might say a very particular set of skills <laughs> who are are very skilled in other ways. So this Dino would be a working dog, but it doesn't look like he made it as a guide dog. And this was the calling and in, 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 this was his calling instead, because to train a guide dog, how much would you think it costs to train a guide dog? I have no idea, but Don't I'm sure Google you're going to tell I'm, I'm, no, I'm not Googling it, but I'm sure you're going to tell me. I have, I'm going to guess, right? <laughs> This is me showing off, yeah. Okay, I, I, firstly, I don't know how long it takes to train a guide dog. How long does it take? Do you know how long it takes? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, uh, is it okay. about a year or something? Six uh, months to a year or something like that? I don't know. Okay, maybe, we'll say six months to a year, right? So I, I'm imagining it's probably about 70,000. Oh, yeah, it's 53, it's in the region of 53,000, so you weren't far off. I wasn't too far off, no, that was okay. Yeah. Um, so anyway, back to Dino. Uh, children nervous to come to school are greeted at the door in the morning by Dino at St. Um, St. Columbana, or Columba's uh, Boys National School in Douglas. So um, the the dog is, is just really useful to children because I suppose dogs, they don't judge you, do they? If you're, no, they don't. If you get a, <laughs> some wrong or if you're uh, nervous about reading aloud, they're, they're not going to laugh at you. I, I remember having, getting, did you ever have that experience in school where you get answers wrong and you have someone laughing at you? <laughs> I do vaguely remember that. Although it didn't, yeah. ha- it didn't happen to me too much, Sarah. Did it happen to you quite a lot? You were, you were, you were probably a brain box, you see. I, I, was, I wasn't, actually. I was totally clueless. I have I, I have all my school reports still in the house, by the way. And I must I was tempted to put them up online for the crack one day. And I was actually going to get encourage listeners to do the same thing. But I have all my school reports. And it said, Niall is a great student. Could you ask him to be quiet in class? Right? Every single one of them said that I won't shut up. And that's why I call my podcast. They told me to shut up. 
Yeah, I used to get um, most improved in all the competitions and <laughs> that's that says a lot of this when you're the one who gets the most improved so yeah most improved but usually the the talkers are kind of yeah the the, the people with so much energy you're probably bored were you <laughs> i don't know what it was I, I just think i have one of these kind of personalities where i have to keep speaking all the time mind you you know it's it's to me proud you know i've made money from it <laughs> but in saying that maybe it wasn't convenient for teachers no, 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 you probably rest their heads. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Dino, um, he's been p- particularly useful for students, um, especially children in the ASD classes. So, the of course, children yeah. with autism, and yeah. they're studying for so so many reasons. And I think I think there's one kid there, and he takes a, a five minute break just to reset and recenter. I suppose sensory issues and everything else can that can become a lot and yeah, it just takes some time with the dog and comes back to things. I think it's a really good idea, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I think it's a wonderful idea. I think children just love animals. I think we all do, but particularly uh, children and particularly children with sensory issues. Of course, to them, there can be a great, cal- you know, for calming. It calms them, you know what I mean, apart from anything else. Now, another story. A Cork GP has come up with an unconventional plan to help children and adults living with blindness in some of the poorest parts of India. Um, so what is this unconventional plan? So this is Dr. Sean Dunphy in Carrigaline. I'd never spoken to him before, but he got my number and he rang me and he said, oh, oh, I, I just can't wait to tell you. He said, I'm after ordering uh, a couple of tandem bikes for these uh, children um, I work with in India and this this one woman I, I work with as well. So he had read an article about um, Cycling for All. You might remember, remember I told you yes, about I cycling, remember that, cycling yes. for All with Mark O'Donoghue. Yeah. So um, basically it's, um, it's a tandem bike initiative for people with um, all manner of disabilities. Mm-hmm. So you might you might be physically very fit, but you might have a visual impairment. So you would need you would have a pilot to, to cycle the bike. The yeah. Bike. So yeah, to steer. It's, it's taking people to different parts of Cork City that they wouldn't otherwise be able to experience. So Doctor Dunphy said it thought it, he he thought it was great that uh, what what Mark was doing, and he works with the Cross Avon our volunteers with the Cross Avon based. Children of India, that charity. So he ordered the bikes, keeping in mind this was out of his own money. And he also pays for the airfare to get over there to work with the kids with his own money as well, because he wants to leave as much for the charity as possible. But there's this one woman in particular that he wanted to help. And I thought it was very touching. This is a very sad story. This this woman named Bianca, she's living in an orphanage run by the sisters of St. Charles in um, Bangalore. So she, she's raising her two children there single-handedly. And you might be asking yourself, what, what's she doing raising her children in an orphanage? Well, what happened to Bianca was she lost her sight with her um, the birth of her second child. So she's two children, one of them is four. I think the other one might be younger. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. So there's, there's very little between them anyway. Um, 
they, they might be older, he might be older, there's very little between them. So she lost her, her sight, so she had been very successful. She was working in IT. A year later, her husband died in a tragic accident, keeping in mind she's only 30 years old. And she comes from an area where people are very superstitious. And if you're a widow in these parts, you're in big trouble because mm. there is so much superstition around tragedy. You can't even go to your own children's wedding for fear it might bring them bad luck. Yeah. And you're left to a life of begging. There's no social welfare in India. So you're either you're either a multimillionaire or you're living in extreme poverty. It's that. Yes, the, the, the gap between the rich crude. and the poor is quite big. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. So Dr. Dumphy has um, got her um, the tandem bike. It will be really handy for the, for the children as they get older. They can use it. They can go on um, bike rides together, the different parts of of area with it, but also Dr. Dunphy is helping um, Bianca retrain because the one thing that um, people that blind people are, are able to get into over there is I, I think it's 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 some kind of treatment. I think it might be head massage, but I can't remember the specific okay. name for it. But the yeah. head massage, it's um, it's they employ a lot of blind people to do it because they believe that. Um, I, I, they have that. Um, I can under, I can understand that. Yeah, the sense, yeah, they would be good yeah. at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that that they they're just their senses senses are are heightened. Of course. So he's teaching her this therapy, so she can uh, she can rebuild her life and have this 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 career, but also as her as her children get older, they can be part of the business. And they can have their own livelihoods too. Mm-hmm. So he has all these dreams for the people that he works with, which which is really nice. And yeah. when when you're at in a position like this is your your land is taken from you a lot of the time from your family. It's just it's it's all very cruel. Also, uh, finally, uh, and that's a lovely story, by the way. It really, it really is a wonderful story. And, and I, I love to hear people helping others who are less fortunate than themselves, of course. Uh, a Cork barbershop, which uh, previously captured the attention of Fox News, is to shut its doors after 87 years of business. I only read in the paper actually today that a thousand businesses across Ireland will shut their doors uh, because people are obviously finding it difficult at the moment with the cost of living and, and energy and everything else to run a business. But why, why are the barbershop closing their doors after 87 years? And how did they come to the attention of Fox News, by the way? That's what I want to know. Well, I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you that in, in a second. Mick Moriarty, is pair, is, he's preparing to put the Baldy Barber up for sale in the coming days. That's in a barbershop in Blackpool in Cork. And his decision comes weeks ahead of its 87th anniversary. So it had weathered the storm for this long. And Mick Moriarty, he just said no more. He said struggling to survive due to a significant loss of income in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. Okay. He, but the really, really big issue for him was competing with barbers operating within the black market. So I suppose there's a lot of people going around from door to door and cash in hand and nothing is said. It's something we got used to in the pandemic or uh, or last of the pandemic and 
I think people. But it is one of those businesses. A lot, a lot of a lot of you know smaller businesses. I I see it more and more actually. Are have signs up saying cash only. Um, particularly takeaways and barber shops and on these kind of places. I'm not suggesting all of them, but some of them, uh, you know, cash only. And we all know why. It's not because they don't have a card machine, because anybody can get a card machine from a bank. Um, it's because they don't want to pay tax. So that's why it's cash only uh, in a lot of these businesses. So they certainly don't want to pay the tax they're supposed to pay. And I think, you know, for a legitimate business to compete against those where they're paying their, their VAT and their employer's tax and everything else that they have to pay, their income tax on the earnings, it's very difficult to compete with somebody who's not paying tax. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, too true. But we have lovely um, memories, thank God, of um, Mick Moriarty, and he certainly left his mark. I'll, I'll tell you how he ended up on, he, him and his team ended up on Fox News, will I? Mm-hmm. So he gained recognition all around the world because... Um, the father of a teenager with autism, the 16-year-old, he there was photographs of him up on social media, and um, there was this one day that this boy, anyway, Evan O'Dwyer, he's 16 years old. He was he's non-verbal. He'd been getting his hair cut by a guy in there called, called Dunico O'Connell for the past 14 years, and this one day he he was having um. He just wasn't having a good day and he was anxious and agitated and he said, I'm not getting out of the car. And and you know what an ordeal it is to get your son to the barber or get mm-hmm. these things done. So they, it wasn't a problem for him. They said, Sonica said, do you know what? It's okay. We'll go out and we'll do it in the car and I'll bring out all my... Um, Barber's equipment and everything else, and we we'll make it work. Yeah. And they did, and the boy was happy out. And it was one of those things. They didn't have the camera. They didn't plan it. A lot of what we see on YouTube now is people filming themselves of doing course. these. Um, yeah. They they just happen to be caught in the act. And there are so many other times where I've seen them doing kind mm. things, and they weren't caught in the act. There there was one man who came to have his hair cut and he was a regular customer of theirs and he was crying because he'd split up with his wife and he lost his job and uh yeah people would tell their life stories to hairdressers and barbers they gave him the they gave him the haircut for for free then they said listen you can come back to us and give us the business because you know even when women go to the hairdressers it's always the same questions when you're sitting in the seat and they're going to blow dry your hair it's always the same questions you going anywhere nice this year in your holidays isn't it it's always that yeah, question. I wonder is that incorporated into the training? Yeah, did you did, um, did you ever get asked that when you're getting your hair done, Sarah? You going anywhere nice this year in your holidays? My my hair is in red. We ask each other all kinds of questions, yeah. all kinds of inappropriate questions <laughs> because we're so friendly at this stage. Yes. So there's no if 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 I told if. I told her where it's going holidays. She'd probably tell me, I don't want to hear about where you're going holidays. <laughs> and the things you get up to while you're there. Well, listen, Sarah, it's been lovely once again talking to you. Thank you very much indeed. Some very interesting stories there this evening. And we shall talk to you again next Monday. Until then, thank you, Sarah Horgan from the Echo Live. Appreciate it. Now, now, real people, real opinions. Nighttime Talk with Niall Boylan. Ireland's classic hits radio.